Hey, there you are. Good morning to you. Hey, y'all awake? I know it's kind of one of those uh, yucky, icky fall days, but um, man, it's good to be together. It's days like these that we just don't have decaf at the coffee booth back there. Uh, it's only, only full steam for us right here. Um, if you came in, you got one, good for you. If you're sitting there right now saying, man, I could probably use a coffee right now. Hey, there's no shame, folks. If you need to get one, you go up and you get one and get it and come on back and, um, and enjoy. In fact, if you're with us this morning and you're on the couch and that's where you fall asleep Sunday after Sunday after Sunday, you get up and get a cup of coffee, okay, and make sure that you're all set to go because we've got some great stuff to cover over the next few minutes. So welcome to you who are online. It is always a joy to have you with us. And let's just do a little exercise together, whether you're in the room or whether you're watching through any of our online venues. Can we just take a moment and connect together? So if you're in the room, let's grab one of those um, connection cards. Would you do that in the, in the seat in front of you? And if you're online, we have them digitally. <clears throat> so, um, so find that online if you would. And, and, and we all need to do a couple things with those, and that is obviously put your name down. Let us know that you were here. That's an encouragement to us. And especially if you're online, we just don't get to connect with names. So please do that if you would. And then <clears throat> please write down if there's something of concern or a special need or a prayer item. Our staff gets to be able to understand these and pray with them. Uh, we've prayed for many things even this week and we're able to follow up. And so please, please do that. That would be a real help for us and we would appreciate that. I want to encourage you, especially when you have a rainy, dreary fall day like this, can we still prioritize health? Remember to think about your health. Be proactive about your health. Um, there's some things that I do, and I'm not, you know, Mr. Um, you know, Atlas here uh, in any of that, but there's some things that I do. Um, like I mentioned last week, I take uh, airborne in whatever form. I'm not going to tell you that anymore. I've gotten enough, enough stuff over that. I take airborne. I put honey in my tea, and I know that's a good thing. I've still been able to walk. I walked quite a bit this past week, and you know, there's a lot of things that I just want to, um, I, I really think we can do to be proactive, to care for ourselves, the bodies that God has given us. So please do that and, and think proactively that way. I want to tell you about a couple things. Number one, I'm so excited about this. You realize, and my kids are already counting some of them toward Christmas, it is, it is coming up. And it's coming up sooner than what you think. And this evening, we might even get some snow to kind of wade us into the shallow end of the pool here. So you know it's going to be here. <clears throat> we do something, we've been able to do this over the last number of years, and this is near and dear to my heart and to our ministry's heart. Um, we have what we call Deck the Dresser. And for some of you that, that resonates, for some of you this may be a new thing, we partner with the Pregnancy Care Center and annually... We don't, we don't burden our budget with this. We've just taken care of this in-house. Um, we put it out to our church people. We say, hey, we want to buy four dressers. They're $700 each. They're top of the line because these may go through a number of different moves as they are given away to single moms who choose life. And, um, and so what, what happens? We choose top of the line. They're $700 each. And then after we get them here in our facility, then we have a list of things. And we have risen to the occasion. I'm just so happy and thankful for our church family. Um, we've been Jesus' love to these folks. And we stuff these dressers with all kinds of things to help these brand new moms um, understand that we love them. We're behind them. Now, we, we did four dressers last year. Two have already gone out. All four are spoken for. And... This year, already, folks, God is working because there is a, there's a single mom. She's not only connected with the Pregnancy Care Center, she's connected with our church. And we've been having the opportunity to talk to her, to share the gospel with her, to wiggle our way into her life. 
and, and she's already been talking to me about a dresser. So there's going to come a point in time, she's going to get one of these dressers. And um, not only is the dresser go out to her, you know, we get the chance to sign them, the back of them, and put sayings on there and verses on there. So I mentioned this in the first service, that we need someone, we need four people or four groups or four teams, maybe small groups and maybe two you know, a couple friends partner up, say, let's buy these. We need, we need four of them purchased. They're $700 each. And already, one is gone. So I'm here to tell you, you better buy them quick because they are going fast. They're going really fast. So if your small group wants to jump in, if you, your family wants to buy one to, to go toward this cause, um, or if you want to partner up with someone, would you let us know? You could just call into the church office. You can talk to myself to Michelle Jose, to Sarah Hurley, and just say, I, I want to buy a dresser. If anyone you call in, you just say that, and we will connect you. We will make sure that this gets worked out, and we want to purchase them. We'll have them in-house in December, and then we start signing them, and then we start stuffing them. And this is just a very special opportunity. Another special opportunity, next Sunday night. I'm really excited about our night of worship together. It's all vertical. You know, we get together on Sunday morning, next Sunday morning, looking forward to that. Next Sunday night, it's, it's all expression of worth and worship to Jesus Christ. There's nothing better that we can do. I've seen the Detroit Lions this year. You will not miss anything by being here instead of watching them next Sunday evening at 7 p.m. Be a part of that. It really is going to be great. And then... Um, we have a new sermon series starting in December <clears throat> called Expectations. I think it's going to resonate with all of us. <clears throat> 2020, has it met your expectations? Yeah, I think I know the answer. So <clears throat> along with that, you know, when we look back at the birth of Jesus, it was not in accordance with what people were expecting at all. And so we're going to understand that God doesn't always go along with our expectations, but in the person of Jesus, he exceeds them. And that's the whole month of December. I'm so pumped about that opportunity for us to dive deep and to work through that Christmas series together on expectations. So here we are, Hebrews chapter 10. So if you're home, if you're here, grab your Bible or your electronic device. Let's go to Hebrews 10. <clears throat> Can you believe it? This is message number 19 in Hebrews. We started early in 2020. We've taken a couple breaks, and we are message number 19 in Hebrews. And we have gone through a whole lot of deep discussion. And I'm going to throw some of these things at you. <clears throat> um, we've worked through some serious and significant teaching like the Old Testament sacrificial system. We've talked about that. We've talked about the temple and the tabernacle and all the different rooms and elements of that. <clears throat> We've talked about the law. We've talked about Jesus as priest and king. Remember we talked about a guy with a name about this long? Melchizedek. And who in the world was he? We've talked about the Old and New Covenants I mean, we have gone through some pretty heavy weeds together, and it's been really enjoyable. I've really appreciated it. And Hebrews 10, 19 to 25, is going to show us that intricate or complex teaching, which Hebrews is full of it. It is loaded with intricate and complex teachings and this passage is going to show us that intricate and complex teachings from the Bible, now hold on, we can't miss this. Those things are not the end goal. They're not. They're good. They bring us toward an end, but they're not the end. And I just remember when I was sitting around in the dorm room in college, like in my freshman year, and my sophomore year especially, I remember, like number one, I remember playing Rook until like midnight. That was really a waste of time. But then after we got done with Rook, we'd start to talk theology. And we'd get in the biggest heated debates. 
And, and we just hammer on each other. And I remember just feeling inside like, oh yeah, I nailed them. Like they didn't have an answer for that one. I really socked it to them. And, and in all of those discussions, I realized, looking back now, I was more like 1 Corinthians chapters 12 and 13 where it mentioned this phrase, knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. You know, when I realized what I was doing, where this was for me, I was in a position where it was developing a sense of arrogance in my life and not advancement for the body of Christ. Like, I should have asked some questions of myself then. Like, for all I understood and all I knew and all I did, did I really love God? Did I really spend time with him? Did I really enjoy him? Like, did I realize and take pleasure in his presence with me at all time? Did I trust him with my life? I mean, where was I with all of this? You know, I could have asked some other questions, like for knowing a lot about God, did I love the people that he sent Jesus to die for? Did I? Was I investing in the lives of others like Jesus did? Did I love them like I love myself? Did I want to build the best in them and see them succeed? And you know, I realized looking back, I was in a position where it was all about my built beliefs as important and significant as they were and not the end that they were to take me. They were not the end goal. And I was treating them like, hey, I've arrived, I've achieved, I have a good theology and that's the end. And the scriptures, and especially Hebrews today, nails it. That is not the end goal. I had religion. I had it like the Old Testament worshipers. I knew the stuff. I knew what to do. I knew where to be. I knew how to do it. But was I near to God personally? Did I love him was my heart there all week long? And that's why we're in Hebrews chapter 10. Because folks, of all the theology and everything he's brought us up to, he says, you know what? It has a purpose. And this nails it today. Let me read these verses for us. Look at chapter 10, verses 19 to 25. And I'm going to tell you where this message is going to go. It's right from the text. And we're going to let God work in our heart here a little bit this morning. So look at this. Look at verses 19 to 25. Let's, let's chat about it together. Here's how it reads. It says, Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened up for us through the curtain that is his body. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And, verse 24, let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. I need to do something here for a moment. Father, Father, I'm just asking, in this moment, at this time, with these people, whether online or whether here in our presence, God. I pray, God, that you would arrest our attention. God, I pray that you would save us this morning from business as usual. God, rescue us from churchianity 
and catapult us into something. The very purpose why Jesus died. May this ring personal. May you engage our hearts, our minds, our wills on this text and nothing else this morning. We express this and we pray it in earnest in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. So here's the message. I'm going to give it to you up front and then we're going to walk through it and I'm going to give it to you in parts. The message is Jesus drew near to us. Jesus drew near to us. And then he goes and he says, so since he drew near to us, he did it for two purposes. Number one, so that we would draw near to God and so that we would draw near to each other. These are the personal applications of all that he's been teaching to this point. So Jesus drew near to us so that we draw near to God and we draw near to each other. And I just can't emphasize the significance of this enough. So look at the very first word there in in verse 19. In my translation, he says, therefore, which he's bringing in all of what he's talked about, therefore, I've, I've been mentioning all of this I've been mentioning that Jesus is superior to the prophets and to the angels and to the sacrificial system and to all the forefathers. Because of that, because of Jesus' death for us, it is therefore I want you to understand this. We can have confidence to enter the most holy place. By the blood of Jesus. So interestingly enough, and we're going to get to it in a minute, but you realize this was, this was religion back then. They would come to the tabernacle and the masses would be on the outside, okay? And there they all would be hoping that things would go well on the inside because one guy, the high priest, was the only one who was allowed on the Day of Atonement to be able to go through the curtain and into the most holy place, and he would go in with the blood of a sacrificed animal in front of him, and he would splatter it in on the mercy seat or the Ark of the Covenant in advance of him and for the sins of the people. So here all the masses were outside looking to one guy. Hopefully, that would care for my sin, my transgression, and give me acceptance with God and so Jesus the writer mentions has flipped that upside down he says you know what here's the deal because of Jesus therefore you're that guy you personally can go in to the presence of God himself You don't need to stand on the outside. You can have personal, regular, daily contact, connection with God himself. And he mentions why. And here's the whole reality that Jesus drew near to us. This is the basis by which we can have access to God And it is, number one, if you just go right down through the text, by the blood of Jesus Christ, the sacrifice of Jesus. Just like the the high priest would flick the blood of the sacrifice animal in and on top of the mercy seat, here's the reality. That's the way we enter as well. But it's not by the blood of bulls and goats, remember the text said, but by the blood of Jesus Christ that sacrifice. And he mentions by a new and living way, verse 20. And new is in context, it means fresh, believed to be referring to freshly slain. So think about the, the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. It says, by the blood of Jesus from a new or freshly slain sacrifice. However, ironically and paradoxically, 
by a new and living way. So this, this sacrifice, this freshly slain sacrifice, the blood of Jesus, he is now alive. It is not that he is gone and not that he is dead, not that he is sacrificed only, but that he is alive. And it mentions our access into the holy places through this curtain. And the text says, you know what? That is through his body. So our access into God's presence is through the physical life and death of Jesus Christ. That is the only way in. And it mentions that our access also and connection personally with God is through this great priest. It mentions in verse 21, we have a great priest over the house of God. Now this is the thing that he just completely tweaked their thinking on. They're used to thinking of the house of God as this tabernacle that they all came to. And so here we've walked in here this morning. We've walked into this facility. And some people have referred to this building as the house of God. We're going to the house of God. Have you ever heard that in your lifetime? Probably have. You probably heard some nice country western songs talking about that. Let's go to the house of God. Well, here's where he just changes all of that. Because this priest over the house of God it's no longer a building God resided in a physical location at that time his residence was manifest in the ark of the covenant in the most holy place the house of God guess where God's house is now okay are you sitting down for this one? The most holy place, the temple of God, is not a building made with hands. The temple of God, the most holy place, God's place of residence is you. It's us. It's the believer in Jesus Christ. That God resides in us. And Jesus Christ is the priest over God's house over his people, not over buildings. Jesus is the priest over his people. The house of God is no longer a facility, but rather a family, a people. He's the priest over people. He's not only, Jesus is not only the sacrifice to give us acceptance with God, but he's the priest that personally connects us with God. So just imagine these people that were back away from that place, the holy of holies, the most holy place, and all of the masses were there and they waited for one guy to go in. And God sent Jesus Christ. Jesus drew near to us and completely flipped the script so that this aloof distant worship experience where no one but the high priest could come into God's presence. <clears throat> and that only once a year, that distant religion now saw God draw near to us when Jesus came and he became the sacrifice that connected us to the Father and we have access to him all the time. Here's a verse for you. It's in 1 John First John, and I actually goofed the reference up on this. This is my fault. It's actually 1 John 4.10. Look at this. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for sin. The quote that I just love that I've embraced, it makes sense to me. It says, the son of God became a man so that man could become the son's of God. So this is the reality. Jesus Christ came near. Jesus Christ came near in the flesh. Jesus Christ came and died for us and lives again. And the whole reality of why he did it comes down to two things. And this is exactly where the text is driving us. And folks, this is why we exist. This is why this theology has brought us to this point. Here is the purpose 
So Jesus drew near and died for us for two purposes here. So that we could draw near to God. That's number one. So we could draw near to God. And he goes through and he mentions a number of things that have Old Testament or tabernacle significance. (coughs) So notice this. He says in verse 22, let us draw near to God. And he says, first of all, with a sincere heart. With a sincere heart. This is an understanding from the new covenant. God says, I'm going to put my commands on your heart. No divided loyalties. It's not I can do this on the outside, but nothing on the inside. He says, I want you to come with a sincere heart. Not just going through the motions, not just an outward obedience, but something like the, like the new covenant. He says, not only a sincere heart, but full assurance that faith brings. We don't come understanding that maybe I'm doing this, that, that my works, that my activities bring me relationship and acceptance before God. He says, it's full assurance that faith in Christ brings Then there's two references to tabernacle cleansing. And he says, having our hearts sprinkled with with the blood from a guilty conscience, we've been cleansed by the blood of Christ and having our bodies washed with pure water. This was ceremonial cleansing oftentimes by the priests that they did. We come clean to God in worship And it's all because of Jesus Christ. So we draw near to him with a sincere heart, with assurance because of Jesus. We come clean because of Jesus. And we don't come hoping in ourselves. It mentions in verse 23, so let us hold unswervingly, not adjusting or moving off center in any way from the hope we professed. And it says, because he who promised is faithful. We can draw near to God because of Jesus Christ. But here's the deal. In the masses in worship, no one connected personally with God until Jesus came. And then he says, okay, every one of you can come into my presence. So my question to you right now is this. What is drawing near to God look like what does drawing near to god look like i could put it personally are you near to god positionally because of jesus yes practically speaking are you near to god what does it look like so We've all had relationship connections or drawn near to someone at some time. What does that look like? I remember um, my freshman year in college, my first semester, I had a roommate named Jeremy. The first day of college, Jeremy met this gal, and they were inseparable. They had all the same classes all the way through the day. They had lunch together. They had dinner together. Then they spent the whole evening together. Now, back when I went to college, it was back in the Stone Ages, you had to be back in the dorm at 10.30. And so I remember at like 10.29 and 59 seconds, Jeremy, the door would fly open and he would come in after spending literally every moment of the day with this gal. And he'd come in the room and said, man, that was, what a great day I had. What, that was just awesome. And then he'd go over to the phone. Hey. And I'm like, are you kidding me, bro? Are you kidding me? Like, you just spent the whole day with her. And now you have to call her and talk to her? You know, like, give it a rest, pal. Remember one morning, it was like 6 a.m. I was just sound asleep, and I hear him singing. I'm like, what? What's he doing? And I'm listening, and I hear him over there. It was her birthday, and he's singing, Happy birthday, dear love of my life. 
I'm in bed like, uh, you know, are you kidding me, man? And you know, it wasn't out of rote. It's not like, oh, I better call her and sing happy birthday. She's going to be really ticked off. Better go to dinner with her. She's not going to be happy with me. There was this, I want to be in her presence as much as possible. You know, when we draw near in a relationship, you spend time with. How different from the people in Old Testament religion where they were in the masses, you know, out here and the one guy went in for them? The one guy went into the presence of God and here they all are out here. And he says, you, this is why Jesus died. You can be in God's presence all the time. What does that look like? You know, and I, and I just imagine, and I, and I think about this, there's a spending time with, there's, if we physically saw God, we would be talking to him. In my earlier years I, I, in ministry, I had an individual actually challenge me. He said, Brian, I want you to pray to God. I'm like, okay, check. Out loud, okay, even when you're alone. I'm like, why? Like, I could just express mental thoughts to him. And he says, I understand. He says, you know what? This may help you recognize the presence of God with you at all times. And so, pray to God when, out loud when I'm alone. In the car. You know? Won't people think you're weird? <laughs> they already do, you know? Um... Vocalizing. One, one person talked about practicing the presence of God, understanding He's there, bringing things up to Him on a routine basis. This is where the Bible talks about hey, pray without ceasing, like don't stop, like whatever comes up. Praying to Him about people that you see or about events going on or about decisions you need to make. And, and it's where your time with God is not... An, an event, it's an environment. There's a difference. Drawing near to God would look like even expressing your hurts because he knows them. Expressing your needs. I just think of the Psalms and I, and I recognize they were recognizing the presence of God. Expressing their joys Thinking about them, you know, our nearness, and I really believe our nearness to God is determined not by an hour and 15 minutes here on Sunday morning. Anyone can do this, just like they did in the Old Testament, come in the masses, watch the one guy up front. Nearness to God, I believe, is even more determined by what we do Sunday afternoon through the following Saturday night. That's nearness to God. I heard one person put it in a child custody analogy. He said, God deserves full custody, not weekend visitation." How can you personally draw near? Why do we struggle sometimes with drawing near? I'm going to tell you a couple of things I've done. Here's what I've done. Um, I, I've gone on my email, and I have on my email, daily email devotionals that come up. 
And, and you want to know why, why I do that there? Because you know how many emails I get? Political emails, sales emails, all kinds of crazy stuff. And how quickly my attention can be drawn away to other things. And I realize, you know what? I need my connection, my drawing near to God to come through my email or else this world, I will be drawing near to everything else, caught up in everything else. On my phone, I, I have the Bible app, and, um, and so I have verses that come up on my screen every day. And, and this is significant because you know what else comes up on my screen? Political ads and all kinds of things that, hey, let's try to get Brian to draw near to us. And you know what? I need to make sure that I am drawing near to God. For the Jews, the presence of God was all about the masses coming and one guy going in for them. Since Jesus came, and died, he's given us access to go into the presence of God personally. And we take him wherever we go. And I'm telling you, Jesus didn't die just so you can go to church for an hour and 15 minutes on Sunday. He died so that you can draw near to God. I'm going to give you this other one. This is right in the text. It's fantastic. So Jesus drew near to us, so we draw near to God, and then verses 24 and 25, so that we can draw near to each other. So we draw near to each other, and there's three main words that show us the significance in how we do it. So verse 24, let us uh, notice this, and let us, here's the first word, consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. So the word consider, in this whole idea of drawing near to each other, is very significant because the word consider means you must give thought to it. You need to be deliberate or intentional or it won't happen. It's kind of like planning that vacation. You can say, we want to go on vacation. Well, it would be nice to go on vacation. Wouldn't that be really neat to go on vacation? But you know, if you don't just stop and say, we're going to go on vacation, and let's plan it, and let's put it on the calendar, and let's make reservations, and we're going to do it. That's the word consider. Consider in our connection with each other and drawing near to each other. He says it's got to be intentional. It's got to be deliberate. And then he mentions a very unique word in the original language. He says, consider how we may my translation says spur one another. Now, this is not a cowboy word. I want you to know this is written in the Greek. This is not written in Texas, okay? This is not a cowboy word, but the word spur has a similar connotation. In fact, it's a negative connotation. It's really a unique play on words that the writer gives because the word spur means to agitate or irritate. It's kind of like what your kids do in the back seat of a car on a long trip. You with me on this? Like they do something to evoke some kind of a response out of each other. And then you hear, Mom, you know, they're doing, you know, what, and it's working perfectly. And so he says, so you know what, let's be intentional. He says, here's why Jesus died. So we draw near to God and we draw near to each other. And how we draw near to each other is we need to intentionally consider how I'm going to, and this is the only time a pastor is going to give you permission, to be irritating, to agitate and instigate love and good deeds in the lives of each other. Like, I've got to be in the lives of other people to instigate and inspire love to God, to each other, and good deeds, letting our religion show 
outwardly that we're really in this. And if we don't intend for it, it won't happen. And if we don't intend for it, then what we don't intend for will happen. And then he mentions something that I'm just going to confess right now. I have used in the wrong way for many, many years. It's verse 25. He says, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. And you know, I've used it in the way, here, so don't, don't stop meeting together. You better come to church. Every time we have the doors open, you better come to church. And you know what? That's not the way he's using it. Because you know, he says, not meeting together. He says, don't give up meeting together. And notice what he says to do. But encourage one another. So this whole idea of drawing near, he says, I want you in coming together, not just to be in a building, you better go to church, you better show up, you better not miss a service. He's saying, you know what, when you meet together, you better be in each other's lives. Because there's people that need you. There's people that need you to be instigating in their life and advocating for love and good deeds. There's people that need you to come alongside of them to give aid, to give heart, to come into their personal situation and to take it upon themselves. And the text says not giving up meeting, but because it's not attendance, but it's tending to, and here's the reality, if we had three services and we ran 1,500 and people weren't in the lives of each other, I would stand up as your pastor and say, you know what, we're failing. We're failing miserably. Because Jesus didn't die so that we just come to church for an hour and 15 minutes on Sunday morning. He died so that we draw near to God personally. Outside of this building, he died so that we draw near to each other. What does drawing near to each other look like? Before we get to that, a a quote I have. The goal isn't just to be in church service, but to be in each other's lives. That's the goal. So what does drawing near to God look like? And notice that encouraging one another, the intensity is supposed to grow and increase the more we see the day approaching, this day, the end, the judgment. Our nearness to each other, our investment into each other should increase the closer we come to the reckoning of Jesus Christ. And what does that look like? What does drawing near to each other look like? It's more than being in the same room. It's being in the lives of others. Pastor Dallas mentioned to me a survey that he did um, a while back. This is really interesting. He mentioned to me this survey and he said, um, he asked people to write down what person impacted them the most in their relationship with God? And so um, people wrote down a bunch of names and, um, and they talked about them. And here's, here's what he mentioned to me. He said, um, every name was the name of a TV preacher, an author, or a theologian. And while those are nice, the one thing that was absent was the name of someone from church who burrowed their way into their life, who entered into their hurts, and made an impact. I 
I'm going to tell you the person who did that with me. A guy named Milo. Not a TV preacher, not an author. Um, but he entered my life, called me up when I was a young preacher, took me out to dinner. had conversations with me, listened to my messages. He said, you know what? Hey, here's some things I want to encourage you with. Here's some things you're doing well. Brian, here's some things I want you to think about. And he shared his hurts with me. When I, when I would express to him some challenges I was going through, he's like, hey, Brian, I know, what you're, I know what you're thinking. Let me be behind you. Let me be beside you. And he would call me. He would text me. We joke around, and I always wonder, like, hey, Milo, why, like, why did you pick me? You know, and I joke around with him. I told him it's kind of like um, a plastic surgeon, you know, picking someone. Like, oh, I'd love to work on you. You know, I don't know if it was a compliment or something derogatory. You know, but the guy built into my life that's drawing near to each other. That's the difference between the church being people and the church being a building that we go to. Are we connecting on this? Does this make sense? Because this is what we're supposed to be doing. Jesus did not die, folks. He did not die for the masses to come into a room and watch one guy go to God on their behalf. He died so that way you personally can enter the presence of God every day, all the time, because he's with you in your life if you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And he died, not so we come in here and punch the time clock and get up and spin around and go on out. He died so that way we're in the lives of each other instigating, growing, encouraging, being life to life. That's why Jesus died. And I'm just wondering, as we bring this up, like what is God telling you right now? What's going through your heart right now? How is he prompting you right now? And I would encourage you, whatever it is, whatever is there right now, let's intend. Let's consider, like, let's lock in and be intentional. And I guarantee you, you'll have a better chance in moving forward in this life with God if you grab on to a partner to walk through it with you. That's the intention of the text. Not just to come in here and watch a guy up front. One person has said this, and I believe it. You impress from afar, but you impact up close. You might say, wow, that was a great message. Or man, Their family sits in church and they behave. You know, man, they look like they've got it all together. Or, wow, he taught a great lesson. Or, man, she can really sing. We impress from afar. But we impact up close. We impact when we enter into someone's life and and we say, you know what, I've, I've struggled in my marriage too, you know? Let's walk through this together. You know, I've dealt with addictions too. Let's, let's, let's handle this together. Or you know what, you can live past your kids being teenagers. It's possible. Let me enter into life with you. That's the impact of drawing near. 
Would you stand with me? With this on your heart right now, this is my heart from three and a half years ago when I walked into this building and said yes to the call of God. This is my heart. Not that we do church or attend church, but that we be the church. That's why Jesus died. And in your heart right now, what's God calling you to do? Father, in the name of Jesus, by the power of the Spirit of God, take your word, please, and just pound it into our hearts. May we not leave here the same as when we walked in. God, give us this holy discontent with business as usual, with the building, with just coming in mass and watching, but God, catapult us into drawing near to you to each other God give your leaders here perspective and passion and a design and a desire to facilitate this in our own lives and out through our church family. God, may this be a hallmark of East Bay Calvary Church. They love God and they loved each other. We pray this, Lord, in the name of Jesus Christ. All God's people said, and isn't that the truth? Amen. God bless your afternoon. So good to see you. See you next week.